Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ryan on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter with a second bonus episode this week. It's going to be called OTA Madness. The reason we're rolling it back again is because the Giants had OTAs, right? And they let the media in on Thursday afternoon. For the first time this year, we got a chance to see what this Giants team, what this Giants roster looks like, the shape that it takes. Some of the players who surprisingly were working with the first team, guys like Jared Davis, the inside linebacker. Now, we're going to talk to Bobby Okereke later. He's the uh, inside linebacker the Giants signed this offseason. a huge piece to the defense, a guy they really need to make a difference because if you look at some of their problems last year, some of their warts on defense, their play in, in the middle of the defense, linebacker-wise, was poor. And I'm probably being nice when I say poor. Jalen Smith at times... They had him like running in the complete wrong direction, right? They run play action and the ball's go, you know, and the quarterback's rolling to his left, and Jalen Smith is basically on the right, on the opposite sideline. Now, I'm not picking out Jalen Smith. Micah McFadden didn't play particularly well last year. Tay Crowder started the year in that spot. They cut him. Blake Martinez was supposed to be the starter. Remember that? Blake Martinez was supposed to be the starter. He was unhappy because he was being phased out as a three-down linebacker. He forced his way out, wanted to leave, eventually retired after playing a little bit with the Raiders. And the Giants were left in shambles at inside linebackers. So Bobby Okereke will play a big part in that. He'll tell us what his role, what he expects his role to be, what he thinks of this Wink Martindale defense, and how he actually ended up in New York with the Giants and some of the other teams. The Bears, who perhaps were interested in him, and he thought maybe he would he would land. So, with that being said, let's go over some of the things that popped at OTAs. And we're going to start here because this is, to me, the biggest one. First play of OTAs, live drills, seven on seven. Daniel Jones drops back, throws the ball deep down the right sideline, and there is Darren Wall, wide open, about five yards clear, of Darnay Holmes, who I believe slipped at the beginning of the play. But either way, D- uh, Darren Waller undressed, beat him badly, and was wide open downfield. Big play. Giants, last year, last in the league. Last. Dead, stinking last. In big plays, 20-plus yard pass plays. 28 for the whole season. That's part of the reason, big reason, Darren Waller was brought in here. And to see him make that catch, and on the first play, it reminds you of why this team should be, can be, better, so much better offensively with that explosiveness, that dynamic ability from now the tight end position that they have with Waller. And, of course, they added guys like Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, you know, brought back Slayton, who was one of the only guys who made big plays last year in the past game. Jamison uh, Crowder, Jeff Smith, who's a speedster. So, you could see the speed. I mean, Jalen Hyatt, when he even runs in practice, you could see that speed. Now, the rookies in general, Jalen Hyatt barely slipped in. I think he caught a ball and one ball in live drills, but didn't have many reps. John Michael Schmitz didn't even see him in the seven-on-sevens, although even just snapping to Daniel Jones there. Um, Deontay Banks running with the second team. Like, the Giants are going to bring their rookies along slowly. That is what I noticed here, okay? They're not just throwing them into the mix. John Michael Schmitz centers your position. No, actually, Ben Bredis was the one who was in the center spot, which then opened up Josh Zudu as the first team left guard. 
when they lined up and did stuff. You know, even when they were just running, uh, you know, plays with no helmets just to to practice plays or uh, learn plays. But you could see who was running with that first team. So the Giants' first team, Evan Neal wasn't on the field either for a lot of it. So the first team offensive line looked like this. Andrew Thomas, left tackle. Josh Azudu, left guard. Ben Bredesen, center. Mark Lewinsky, right guard. And Tyree Phillips, right tackle. Now, you could slide Evan Neal into that right tackle spot. And that has a chance to be their week one starting line. Now, Schmitz, of course, could slide in there, could earn his spot, could win that job. But I believe that's what's going to happen here. The rookies are going to have to win their spot. Deontay Banks, too. Although I think, you know, they're, they're, they're not exactly super stout at that position. That it's going to be a little easier for him to win that job. But when they did line up in the first team defense, at least for seven on seven, the cornerbacks were on one side of Dory Jackson, the other side, Amani Imunoe, probably pronouncing it wrong, probably botched that horribly. And then in the slot, Darnay Holmes. So still, that group has to leave you a little bit worried. And then the linebacker spot, you have Bobby Okereke, right? They signed him to a big long-term deal. And then next to him, which I thought was a little bit surprising, is Jared Davis. So he's ahead of Micah McFadden right now, who was running with that second team. And I'll tell you a Chip Kelly thing. He used to say that the the depth chart is written in sand. It is in the spring, even in the summer, but it does mean something that Micah McFadden has to earn his way into the, the first team defense, has to earn his spot over Jared Davis. Jared Davis, an older player, was on a pra- the Lions practice squad when they picked him up late in the year, started in the playoffs. So not ideal to have Jared Davis starting, in my opinion. Now, he could do all right against the run, but you could expose him against the pass. Now, maybe it's better because you have Okereke, an off-ball type linebacker who could cover next to him, but still concerns me. Also on the secondary line, safety line, sorry, Xavier McKinney, no surprise, and then Bobby McCain, right? Jason Pinnock, Dane Belton, didn't see them get into live drills, so maybe that's part of the reason. But also, that's an interesting one to watch. Who is that second safety? Who's that second safety next to Xavier McKinney going to be? Who are they going to use in three safety sets? Something Week Martindale likes to do. Dime packages. Something teams are doing more and more of. Five defensive backs. Six defensive backs. Seven defensive backs. You're seeing that more and more in the NFL these days. So you didn't see Deontay Banks in there with the first team. You didn't see Jalen Hyatt in there with the first team. And you didn't see John Michael Schmitz in there with the first team. So they're bringing him along slowly here. I think that's that's the only observation to make right now. As far as, uh, let's see what else I got written down here that really popped. Um, oh, the dead ball snap. Something I wanted to bring up here. So Daniel Jones said, this is something that John Michael Schmitz did in college. This is how they snapped in college. Now, what the dead ball snap is, is instead of snapping it back in a spiral, you're basically palming the ball and snapping it back straight. It kind of flutters in the air. Not spin end over end, but flutters back. Now, the downside, I I would think, is that the snap would then lose a little speed. So take a little bit longer to get back there. The positive would be it's supposed to be more accurate. So Daniel Jones, I mean, John Michael Schmitz, let's start with this. He said, yeah, he would like to keep doing it. If, and he would talk to Daniel Jones about it. If Daniel Jones wanted to, you know, they would go forward and do it. He could do anything regardless of what kind of snap we're talking about with John Michael Schmidt. But Daniel Jones, ever so eloquently, meaning just saying yes 
and not expanding on it. When I asked him specifically, did Schmitz come up to him and say, hey, are you good with me doing this snap? How do you feel about it? Jones just said, yes, dull as Daniel Jones is, you know, uh, at the podium, the personality of a bowling ball, says, yes, he said he's fine with it. And then when I asked him later, he said something he'd never done before, Daniel Jones, in regards to catching the dead ball snap, but that he didn't think it was any problem. And as long as it was accurate, he doesn't really care. So it looks like the dead snap is something the Giants might utilize when John Michael Schmidt is the center. Now, I think it would be a little weird, though, if John Michael Schmidt uses the dead snap and then Ben Bredesen doesn't and they're trying to win a job and then the quarterback has to go back and forth being two different kinds of snaps. That I don't think is ideal. So it'll be interesting to see if the Giants find one uniform way or it just depends on the center. Something we'll find out a little more and keep an eye on as we go here. But I think that's an interesting one right there. Uh, as far as the wide receiver group, David Sills went off injured, uh, made a catch. It was out of bounds, but deep down the sideline and hit his side, his back, uh, his hip, whatever it was, really hard on the ground. Uh, so he was in some serious pain. Eventually walked off very slowly. But the wide receiver core had Isaiah Hodgins, Harris Campbell, and Darius Slayton. Those were the first three that I saw out there. Not a surprise if you think about it. Because Sterling Shepard, he's still injured, right? He's still coming back from a torn ACL. Wandale Robinson, he's not practicing in live drills. He, they're, they're working on the side. They're running. They're doing stuff. But they're not in football-ready shape yet. Their knees. Well, Robinson also tore his knee. They're, they're working on the side with training. So you have Hodgins, who had a strong year last year. Campbell, who we're looking big things out of, who's, by the way, in the slot. And Darius Slayton, who... Every year ends up just being the Giants' leading receiver. Had them out there first. With Darren Waller, then Daniel Bellinger, filling that tight end spot. So it will be a rotation. A lot of guys will get their opportunities. You saw, you know, there's constant, constant rotation at wide receiver, more than any other position, really. Basically, one run, one rep at times, and then switch to wide receivers. Flip them in. Colin Johnson. He's back from a knee injury, remember? Uh, Achilles injury early last year, actually last summer. And he was a guy that, if you think about it, and I, I'm guilty, as guilty of this as anybody, of forgetting about him when you list the Giants wide receivers. But he was going to start probably last year. He was ahead of Kenny Galladay on the depth chart. Not that that's hard. I mean, I, I, I said it many times. Galladay was running with the stiffness of a mannequin. So to be ahead of him, not the greatest accomplishment in the world. But Colin Johnson was... And he's making plays again. He probably caught the most balls in drill, live drills yesterday out of any receiver. So someone to keep an eye on for sure. Jamison Crowder, Jeff Smith, they were slipping in there for, for reps. Jalen Hyatt finally got in there a little bit as we went along, caught a ball late in the practice. Now, I don't see Jalen Hyatt's role originally being huge. But that doesn't mean he can't make an impact. We know that he's a big play waiting to happen. You can see just when he runs. That speed is special, special. So he could be a guy who has four or 500 yards, but makes some really big plays as a rookie. And then you hope he just grows into a bigger role. I think that's the likelihood, but we'll see. Maybe he impresses this summer. Maybe he blows everyone away. Maybe he ends up earning more playing time straight from the get-go, from the jump. Who knows? We'll have to go back out there. We'll get it back out there once a week now. So next Wednesday, this upcoming Wednesday, actually, 
We'll be out there again. I'll report to you what I saw, and I'll bring it to you right here on Breaking Big Blue. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, we're going to talk to Bobby Okereke. Did I get that right? First of all, take me through that because I pronounced that right. Okereke, yeah. yeah, It's it's from Nigerian descent. Um, Yeah, that's the correct pronunciation. But did you go by... Okariki for a while. Yeah, I did hear this, so I was. I, that's my natural, you know, inclinations to go Okarike, but yes, yeah, so you changed it on everybody. You said you well, you corrected everyone. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, we've we've been saying Okariki since my parents got here, and I think for them, you know, coming in as an immigrant, you're just trying to assimilate as best you can. So Okariki, Okarike, to them, it doesn't make a difference. They're just trying, you know, create a life and you know have their kids go to school and do well. So. I think for me, you know, being the second generation, you know, it, it's important for me to um, just be respectful and have pride in my heritage. So when did that when did that come about? When did when did you become go from Okariki to Okarike? Uh, what was that two years ago? Um, I mean, I think as I've been playing more and making more plays um, and just getting more notoriety on TV, I think I just wanted to you know sh- show that respect to the men. Did anyone ever call you Riki, like as a nickname? Uh, yeah. Because then that kind of gets ruined when you go, you know, when it's Okarike. It's like, well, that doesn't even make sense anymore. Yeah, I mean, I got a couple different nicknames, so it's all fun. Well, you were just out there. Yeah. You just had a press conference. I don't know, what, 30 people or so? Yeah. What's that like for you? Is that different? Like, you, you come from the Colts. Yeah. Spent four years with, year with the Colts, obviously. Started in this league. You've done some things in the league already. But is, it, is this a different feel when you look around, when you when you look around the building, you look around the market that you're in. Uh, I think so. Just being in the market here in New York City, uh, I mean, media is huge here. But uh, I mean, I'm used to it. I've had a lot of media exposure being being with the Colts, playing at Stanford. Um, I think I pride myself on handling myself in the media well. So uh, I'm just excited for this next opportunity. Did that factor into you? Take me through your free agency, right? Yep. How much did that factor into it? Like the New York market and. When you, how about this? When you first started, let's start here. When you first started the free agent process, where did you think where, you know, you were, you had a good chance of landing? Um, I mean, just talking with my agent, you know, we put up a list of teams. Um, you know, obviously you look at, you know, former coaches you've played with and teams are on right now. So, you know, Matt Eberflus and uh, Chicago Bears was a team on the board. Um, Coach Frank Reich and uh, Carolina Panthers was on the board. Um, the Giants were also on the board, uh, looking at teams that needed. Right. Need uh, obviously is a big, a big thing too. Right? For sure, they wanted the opportunity, and 
that goes with the team that needs it is the one who's going to pay, right? Exactly. So uh, I think it was just, you know, it was a great situation. Things all kind of aligned. And then, you know, once my agent gave me the go ahead, we, we were great on it. So how did that come to be? Like, take me through the process. You're sitting there, you're waiting. What are you hearing? And when did the Giants come in? Are they, are they, are they like one of the first teams? It was pretty, it was pretty quick. It seemed like. Yeah, I mean, my agent was telling me that we were going to have an offer from the Giants pretty soon. Um, obviously talking to a couple of teams, um, but I forget what day it was, but that Thursday, um, really my agent told me, he's like, look, this offer is looking pretty good. Um, and if it, if it hits the threshold that we want, I think you should go ahead and sign it. And so, you know, he gave me that go ahead. So I was like, all right, started getting my mind, you know, kind of wrapped around being here. And then, you know, once he gave me that call, it, it was just, it was, it was over from there. So what's your first thought? So you, the, oh, you're going to the Giants, what's your, or New York, what's your first thought at that point? Because at least you understand because you played here before yep. and it's not exactly New York, New York they play in New Jersey. Because I think you hear young guys and they're like, they get drafted by the Giants and they think they're living in a big skyscraper. Exactly. Did you did you think that? No, I mean, I, I figured I was going to be around the practice facility, but I mean, you say New York Giants, so I mean, yeah, I'm going to New York. But like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Jersey guy now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you get, get on the flight, they're like, if you imagine you're, you get drafted, you're a college kid, you've never been to New York. You think you're, you're, living, you're going to live in a big high rise in Manhattan. All of a sudden they're like, here's your ticket to Newark. Here you go. You're, you're going to stay in Clifton. And, uh, you know, here you're going to play in East Rutherford. And you're like, damn, man, what the hell, man? I thought I was going to New York. I mean, but I mean, the city's only 20, 25, 20 minutes away. And it's truly one of the greatest cities in the world. So it's just a blessing to be here. We'll get to your first impressions of the city in a second, but, uh, Wink Martindale, he's your defensive coach and guys love him. Big, uh, He's a huge Jordan collection. Do you know this? You wear this? No, I'm not aware. Wink, of that. wink is hip, man. And you got he, he's sneaky hip. You gotta Wait, no, you gotta pay attention. He he, dude, dude rocks. Apparently, he has a lot of Jordans. So, your first impression of Wink is he's a stud. Um, obviously, he has an aggressive mindset as a defensive play caller, but um, he's just a guy who gets it. He understands that you know a great defense is is, is a tight and a close defense. And that's how he runs his defensive meetings. Um, and me coming here, just seeing how close the whole defense is from the D-line to the DBs, linebackers, just everybody's a tight unit. And that's a big testament to Wink. How much is that something you look at it and say, well, that's the defense I want to play in. I want to go and, you know, just attack, attack, attack. I mean, that's his philosophy. He's like, we're going to just attack. Yeah. No, it's huge. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited and I feel blessed to be a part of it for sure. Um, you're talking about his defense. You're at one of the guys out there wearing a green dot. There's a couple guys. That apparently are wearing them right now. What's that process like? How are you kind of taking it in? Like, what what do they ask for you? What did, by the green dot? By the way, the people who don't understand, we're talking about the players that can wear the headset on the defensive side, even on the offensive side. You have a green dot in the back of your helmet, so yeah. you're one of the players out there. What's that been like? And like, what is what is asked from the green the person with the green dot? In the yeah, it's been fun. Um, so if you got the green dot in your helmet, you get the communication from from Wink, the defense coordinator. Uh, pre-snap so he gives you the call and then you relay the call to your teammates and basically just break the huddle from there uh, so it's been good I know I've had it X has had it a couple of different guys have had it um, and it's been a great process um, you know for me obviously I'm junk this team you know figuring out um, just my fit and the scheme and these plays and you know just learning and growing so uh, they're definitely bringing me along in that sense but uh, to have a leader like X is uh, just great stability for the team what do you think is your fit you say you you know what you're fit in the team like what how do you envision it at least at this point? Yeah, I mean I'm a, I'm a I'm I'm a playmaker for sure. Um, I mean I'm I'm attention to detail guy. I play with great technique, great speed, great athleticism. Uh, but ultimately I'm just making plays. 
did you think when you played here last year that this, you know wasn't a great team, great game for you guys as a team overall? But you had you had a pretty big game, made a lot of tackles in that game, yeah. did a did a lot of things. Did it ever cross your mind, hey, this could be a spot that I was going to land in when you were there at the time? Uh, at the time, no, but I think it was great for, foreshadowing for sure. <laughs> I know everyone asked you too. They asked you about the the play on Daniel Jones, and yeah, you I've heard, I know you've you've heard it a bunch already. <laughs> when you look back at that, what did you what did you think? I mean, I think it was just two two great competitors get, get, getting after it. Really, um, I think we had a sequence of three plays where you know I tackled him. Obviously, I had that um, quote unquote late hit, and then the end zone play where you scored. Um, but I think it just shows two guys who are great leaders and great competitors. The late hit is the one you're talking near the goal line, or when he when he dipped down real quick. Oh, uh, when he dipped down real quick. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, I guess people always think like you you know you you have like a lot of time to think about that. Dad. Yeah, for sure. I, and obviously, I, I see in Daniel like dude's fast and dude's big, so he's running the middle of the field. I'm trying to stop him, and then slides late, and then I just you know try to fly over top of him. So bang bang play. And you, you've said that you, you know, you talked about it once with him, and that yeah. that's sort of like, all right, that's a wrap. We're gonna, exactly. we don't need to address this anymore. We're done, right? So, let's play a little game, ready? Right. First impressions, yeah. okay? Yeah. So you're here in New York. You're here with the Giants. First impressions when you walk in uh, their facility, your Quest Diagnostics. Beautiful facility, and you got a view of New York City. What did you think when you saw that? It's insane. <laughs> From the practice field, you can see New York. How, how often have you been to New York City before? How many uh, times have you been? Where are you before? Yeah, maybe like four or five times. Been here like different off seasons, vacation, maybe like three, five days type of thing. But your first impression now that you you know you guys haven't go out to dinner, you could just pop into the city. Your first impression of Manhattan, New York City. Uh, city moves fast. <laughs> the city moves fast for sure. Is that is that way different than Indianapolis than you than you're used to? Yeah. All right, first impression, the New Jersey accent. Uh, I think it's cool. I think New Jersey's hip. Um, New Jersey people got a speed and they got a tenacity to them. So you give me a little impression. What do you what do you what do you view as when you talk to someone and you could tell us from New Jersey? What do they give you? I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm not even gonna try that. <laughs> first impression, Brian Dable. Cool ass dude. Why? Because he's just I I I talked to him. I said, yes, sir. He said, don't call me sir. I said, yes, coach. He said, don't call me coach. Call me Dabes. I'm like, all right, Dabes. Boom. What do you think? First impression. He spells Dabes. This drives me nuts. D-A-B-S. There's no E in Dabes. <laughs> There's no E in Dable. It's true. But wouldn't you just think that's Dabs? D-A-B-S? Well, you don't call him Dabble. You call him Dabes. Fair enough. I will. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of these things that bothers me. I don't I don't know why, but it does. Um, your first impression, Daniel Jones, getting to know him, like you you've seen him as a player. Yeah. First impression of him as a person, elite competitor. Um, Xavier McKinney, one of the best leaders I've been around. The Giants cafeteria, amazing. Why? What do you like? Fantastic food. My guy Tyler gets me breakfast burritos every day. That's your thing? Breakfast burrito? Yeah, I love breakfast burritos. And a breakfast burrito. Uh, and your breakfast burrito. You, 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 could, you could tailor it specifically or you just like it? Yeah, you could tailor it specifically. You get uh, eggs, definitely some bell peppers, sausage, and the secret sauce is hash browns. Hash browns hash inside. inside the yeah, that sounds good. I can, I can buy it. That's indiscriminate. Same thing, man. Come on. Yeah. Potato. Potato. Fried potato. Fire. Yeah, because you got to have a little crunch, right? That gives a little crunch. I can go for a breakfast burrito. That sounds good, man. Well, I appreciate you, man. Hopefully, we'll do this again soon. On to the next one. Thank you.
All right. Thanks for Bobby Okereke right there. I got it right. See that? I'm, I'm learning. It, it's, it takes a little repetition, a little practice to get that right because I naturally just want to say Okariki. And it actually was Okariki for a while. That's what makes it even more complicated. But Okereke, see? Coming off of my tongue like nothing now. Bobby Okereke right there. Seems like a good dude. Uh, Going to be, can envision him for sure being a good addition to this defense. Certainly an upgrade from a physical standpoint when we're talking about the Giants inside linebackers will help make their defense a lot better. Not only in the pass game, because I think that's one of his skills, his ability to run, but also in the run game. I mean, if you if you let him, if they, their defensive front can occupy defenders, let him run and make plays, he is going to make tackles. Just look at last year, what, 151 tackles? Free him up, let him go, and he will make plays. So I think the Giants will be in a lot better shape with him at inside linebacker than they were last year when, quite frankly, they stunk at the position. They were bad. So let's finish up here with a little quick Jordan on the beat. As you can hear, my voice is absolutely going. I got a little cold. Nothing worse than cold. having a cold when it's nice outside. So cold from Memorial Day weekend, that sucks. But, you know, we're fighting through. We're fighting through for you to give you the content that you want, that you need, that sometimes you don't even know you need. But here, a quick Jordan on the beat to finish up. This is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants work for ESPN or cover the NFL in general. And let me tell you the way these OTAs work, okay? They let you film video and pictures at the beginning of practice. So we got about the first, let's say yesterday, or it was probably 30 minutes where you could take videos and pictures. Now, they cut it off, and you're not allowed to take videos and pictures anymore. Cameras down, it's called, at the point where they start doing live drills. So therefore, I know you want videos of them and Darren Wall are running downfield in the full live drill, but we can't get those to you. It's not an option. It's We are not allowed by rule, the Giants rules, to tape those periods of practice. Now, you'll get it from the team. Uh, they'll frame it the way they want to frame it, right? They, they've done it in the past. They'll cut out the quarterback through the interception. The, they'll show the ball starting with the ball in the air. The, the cornerback who got burned bad on the play. Like, they're not going to do things to they, – they're going to give you their perspective, right? So it's not a full perspective. It's not the full 100% completely unbiased, unfiltered, here's what happened, right? It's a little tilted version. So that's why – reporting off the Giants' uh, OTA and minicamp videos and reports, to me, is something I try to avoid. That's just me. Everyone has a different opinion. you know. And there's also some periods where they're wide receivers basically running against air. There's no defender. They, he caught a touchdown pass against air or against a cornerback. There was, part of, there was some drills yesterday, seven on seven, where the defenders, they, they, they're run with the guys, but they're not allowed to make a play on the ball. Because you don't want contact. You don't want collision. And so, yeah, you know, player X finished with three touchdowns. You know, Darius Slayton had three touchdown catches. Yeah, two were against defenders. I'm making this up. This is total hypothetical. Just happened to use his name. Yeah, two were against defenders who weren't allowed to make plays on the ball. The ball was underthrown. He wasn't open. And yet, we're calling it a touchdown. I mean, so that's why I don't take stats in these things. And I don't trust anyone else's judgment or eyes when it comes to what's happening 
at OTAs or mini camps or any practices that are closed. They want people to see what happened. They should open it to the media. And some of the biggest offenders, at least one of the biggest offenders, is the Giants' own people. You know, oh, Daniel Jones threw seven touchdown passes. Yeah, they were against air. Seen that before. It happens. And then that's why when people were making a big deal this week about Adoree Jackson being back returning punts, Adoree Jackson's back returning punts, there's a group of about 10 guys, 12 guys, that are back returning punts. And some of those guys, let me tell you, will never return a punt in a game. This is how the Giants have done it for years. Every team I've watched has done it for years. They're special teams, periods, right? And a lot of guys don't aren't involved in special teams, especially when it comes to cornerbacks and wide receivers. So you don't want them standing around doing nothing. Maybe they go catch balls on the side, or maybe you have them go be part of the group that catches punts. So that's usually what it turns out to be. A lot of cornerbacks, a lot of wide receivers there, half of them who will never return a punt this year. Now, I'm not saying Adoree Jackson won't return a punt, but I'm saying he's also not among the top guys back there, probably, to return punts this year. In fact, I was speaking to someone recently. They told me if they had a guess, Eric Gray, the rookie running back, might be the guy returning punts. Now, nothing is set in stone. Got a long way to go. There's competition. They'll have to win it this summer. But it's interesting to know that he's at least among those options. So let's wrap it up there. Everybody, have a great Memorial Day weekend. We'll come back next Wednesday, OTA uh, the second one we're allowed in, I don't know what number it is exactly, probably five or six for the year. I don't know if they have. No, you know what? It's probably they're off Monday, I'm sure, Memorial Day. So Tuesday, Wednesday, they had three this week. Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, probably Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. So we'll be out there Wednesday. OTA, number five. I'll be there. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time. <laughs>